Jesus, we thank you that we are able to worship you in spirit. And right now, we, are, we want to worship you in truth, Lord. We want to learn from your word. Uh, give us life-giving truth, Lord. We want to feed. We want to uh, be nourished by your word. Use our brother Chimeng, Lord. Nourish him, strengthen him, work through him, and bless him, even as he delivers your word, Lord. And open up our hearts, Lord, to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Vincent. <clears throat> Good afternoon. Well, holidays uh, is in the air. Those of you who are NUS students, I think uh, just one more week is the end of your exams. For those of you who are earlier, uh, those of you who have second, secondary school or JC, things now is having fun. And those of you who have children who are at the age, uh, maybe also time to relax. It's a good time, end of the year, uh, to relax. And I encourage us um, in this fast-paced um, society to take aside time just to enjoy nature, enjoy people around. And this is a good period. Uh, when you go holiday, just uh, avoid uh, avoid Sunday so that you can be here. I wasn't here last Sunday. <laughs> but glad that we can have this time of the year. And I encourage us to, to spend time to really reflect upon the year. Don't just let the year end like that, but to, to really have a chance to reflect. And they are, um, uh, just on a side note, because I'm in a, still in a holiday mode, there are a few corners in Singapore where you can relax, uh, and I encourage you to find those corners. Yesterday, I was at the Ulu Pandan Canal. I was walking, spending, because getting over some time change. I wake up very early. I spent, I decided to do, go for a prayer walk, and I, as I walked, and I saw this very nice canal, and I, the more I walk, the more I pray, and I felt it is just so refreshing, refreshing to be in the presence of the Lord. So after that, I went back, I take my fishing gear, and while fishing, I, I prepare my sermon, and then I spend more time fishing than sermon preparation. So today, if you feel a bit disjointed, it's okay, maybe that's the plan God has for you. We are now into the second chapter of the book of James. <clears throat> Let me just have an overview. James is a very practical book, and we are covering this book because I believe God wants us to grow in our faith. And if you look at the titles, all with how to, how to, how to. It's a very practical book here. If you look at the book of James, it's very interesting. It's more like a lecture rather than a letter, except for the beginning. If you, look at, if you turn, turn the Bible to the book of James, if you look carefully, James, he gives a greetings at the beginning, correct? First verse, second verse, greetings, right? And after that, Straight away, he starts his sermon. Boom, 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 boom. He will be, he will be telling people what to do, encouraging them. And he talk about the first thing he talk about. It will be about trials. And the purpose of this particular potent letter, it's meant to exalt the early believers towards Christian maturity as well as holiness in the Lord. If you look at the, if you look at the book of James, they are all together one zero. Eight, 108 verses. Okay? Out of these 108 verses, guess 
how many of these verses about imperatives, in other words, command, command for you to change, command for you to do certain things? How many? Out of 108. Make a guess. Exactly half, 54 verses about imperatives, about commands. So what's James trying to tell us? That he's trying to deal with every area of our Christian life to help us to grow, to help us to grow in maturity. He talks about who we are, what we should do, what we should say, how we should feel, what we have, everything. And if you compare the book of James to the book of uh, uh, letters that were written by Paul, you'll see a contrast there. Though there are some similarities. Paul, seems to, Paul is talking about the inner saving faith from God's perspective. Whereas James is on the other side of the coin. He wrote about the outward serving faith from man's perspective. So two complements one another. The true seed of saving faith is verified by the tangible fruit of serving faith. The true seed of saving faith is verified by the tangible fruit of serving faith. So today, we're going to cover chapter 2, how to treat people right. In preparation for this uh, sermon, I came across an interesting story, which I thought about doing, but somebody else did it. But this is quite interesting. There was... It happened in, um, in Kentucky, USA. There was a senior pastor. His name is Mike Brooks. He did something interesting that particular morning service. He came in, he dressed himself like an old lady, put on wigs and then dirty clothing with a lot of plastic bags everywhere. She's, he smells, carry numerous of bags and he sat down in the middle of the auditorium. Nobody recognized him. He just walked in. Nobody spoke to him. A few people glanced at him. Some even have a disgusting glance. And a few actually got up from their seats and moved a few seats away because he smelled. And then when time comes for the sermon, they wait for the pastor, they look around, there was an awkward silence because there was no pastor coming up to give a sermon. Suddenly this old lady walked up to the pulpit as he or she walked up, he began to undress himself. And then out came a big surprise. That was their senior pastor. Everybody squirmed. But the pastor was making a vivid point based on the story James talks about in James chapter 2. If such a person were to walk in our midst, I wonder how we will react. I hope that, and I believe that we will react in a very kind way, in a very welcoming way. But this was the, exactly the same issue that James was uh, addressing at that time. So I'd like us to turn to James chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. I'm going to read to you. If you have the Bible, turn to James chapter 2, 1 to 13. I'm going to read from the New International Version. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't forget, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. 
Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, verse 5. My dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he has prom he promised those who, lo who loved him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you to, into courts? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you, keep, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as though you are going to be judged by the law who gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's a passage we're going to study today. You see, one of our biggest problems, it's people problem. Getting along with people. There was a poem that goes like this. To dwell above with those you love, that will be a glory. But to dwell below with those we know, that's another story. The real test about our Christian faith, how real is it, depends on how we treat people around us. That's the real test. That's so James is trying to address this issue. When you want to talk about, you believe in God, when you talk about uh, that you have faith, then it should, it should manifest itself from the way we treat people around us. And that's very important here. So today we're going to cover, we're going to cover the principle and we're going to cover also the problem that the people are encountering and then we'll come with practical expect how to treat people correctly. First, let's look at the principle, treat people right. Let me read to you from the New Living Translation here. My brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our Lord, glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favour some people over others? Whenever James starts with my brothers, and here NLT uh, includes the sisters too because it's, it's all encompassing, he's getting ready to so-called scold them. Scold them. He have talked about, he's going to talk about prejudice, partiality, favoritism here. <clears throat> and here, if you favour someone above the other, that's called showing favoritism. What does it mean? To show favoritism means to respect person partially with superficial judgment that is to receive somebody at face value on the basis of how they look how they rank how popular they are and also in instead of their intrinsic conditions of their heart the good news bible translate this verse this first verse is do not treat anyone a different way according to their outward appearance outward appearance and sometimes um, we do so-called have prejudices as we treat people. All of us have prejudices, including myself, because of the way we brought up certain value that are ingrained within us, 
our family upbringing. And then, as we grow as a Christian life, we need to recognize what are those prejudices so that we can make adjustment accordingly. Prejudices came from two words here, prejudge. We have already preconceived ideas about people. About people. That's how we affect, that's how it affects how the way we treat people. Generally, what are some common ways we prejudge people? Some common next slide. <clears throat> some common first, it's by appearance. We discriminate often based on how the person appears to you and what you value as nice appearance. That's how you begin to uh, judge the person, you treat the person better. If someone with a, a guy, okay, with a long hair and lots of beard unshaved walk up to you, how what would you say? Maybe some of us might say, oh, Jesus saves, Jesus shaves. And if you watch a lot of uh, singing competition, which I am one I'm a great fan, I'm sure you, you have watched uh, British or Britain Got, Got Talent. Remember Susan Boyle? Okay? A sense, the singing sensation that went uh, viral, Susan Boyle. If you have watched that video, the YouTube, you will understand how when she comes in with the hair unkept and she's a middle-aged single, People already judged them, including the judges. But when she sang, beautiful voice came out. And in fact, her album, I Dream a Dream, in 2009, remains the UK best-selling debut of all time. Of all time. And the newspaper described then that the Susan Boyle story, it's a modern parable and a rebuke to people's tendency to judge others based on their physical appearances. So one way, physical appearance. Second way, ancestry. That is, their race, their nationality, their ethnic group. Somehow we are more comfortable with people that are race similar to us or people that we view it as superior to our race. To our race. <clears throat> Coming from Malaysia, I understand this. Because I, I grew up with friends of different races. I have Eurasian friends, classmates. I have Indian classmates. I have Malay classmates. And I have Chinese classmates. So I'm, I understand some of this. And being a Chinese in Malaysia, it's a minority group. So I understand what it means to, to, uh, to be in a minority group. But sometimes, some of us, we grew up with a majority of one race. I, I, I was hoping that my son will have... Uh, a mixed race in his class, but unfortunately, he goes to Nanhua. Very hard to have, very hard to have other races who want to study Chinese at higher Chinese. Uh, but I tried to make up by asking him to go and play football with downstairs with some of the neighborhood kids. So they have a, a variety of races. So depend on your upbringing, you will view certain race as superior than your race, or similar, or even lower unconsciously, it will come. And when you talk to these people, your attitude will somehow will come out. And this somehow we prejudge people. Then we need to be aware about, about that. I, I remember myself, when I talked to some Caucasians, I, I view them as superior. So I, I'm, I'm extra careful, showing a lot of respect. Until the Lord brought to my attention that, hey, they are equally human. You don't need to treat them like somehow because of the colonial 
attitude in me in the past. <coughs> and then we also prejudge people based on their age, whether they are too young or they are too old. You mean this young pang, you tell me what to do? Huh? I eat salt more than you eat rice, some kind of this. And sometimes also we judge prejudge people based on their achievement, achievements, where we celebrate the winners and then we, we look down on some of the losers. Success and status are so-called the keywords. Next, also we prejudge people based on affluence, how much they own. It's a common distinction here. We judge, we look towards people's attitude, whether who make more money and who make lesser money. And this is the area that James is addressing. How they, people prejudge one another based on their affluence, how much they have. And then gave, James will start off with some example. Let's look at it. James chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. Next slide. Suppose a man comes to the meeting wearing gold rings and fine clothes and then, and then another guy, poor, shabby clothes, you show attention to the one that is um, wearing better, the other one, he says, sit here. Jane is painting a particular scenario. I believe it was in a church service, maybe. Both guys were strangers. Why? Because they didn't know where to sit. They need some people to usher. So the ushers were there. And then to the rich guy, straight away they will know because he dressed different. And at the time, the church people, majority, in fact, almost all of people belong to the poor. These are the people who receive Christ, the initial uh, believers then. And then someone wear different with the going, um, with fine clothings. They will say, okay, come, come, come. Sit at the front. And then another guy who is poorer, maybe poorer than they, don't wear any deodorant, hair was unkept, he looks back. And then the usher at the time have to make a decisions. Where will he sit, this guy? The rich guy, no problem. Come right here to the front. But in our church here, normally the first row is always empty. It's not the best seat. People don't like to sit at the first row. The best seat is probably at the middle or in the back. <laughs> because you say, okay, I feel more comfortable there. <clears throat> and then to the so-called, the guy that is poor, he said, uh, you can stand over there at the corner. He treat them carelessly. And then he said, even you can, you can sit over there or sit at my feet on the floor at my feet. It means I sit at my footstool in between my legs there. That is a very, very insulting word. It's a put down. So James is painting this scenario. I believe he has seen this scenario before. He's addressing this particular problem here. You are not treating people right. You are showing favoritism. Showing favoritism. So that's the, princi the principle. He's saying you need to treat people right. The second thing, second point I want to talk about, it is the problem with favoritism. The problem with favoritism. Yeah. James mentioned four problems with favoritism here. First of all, favoritism is incompatible. Incompatible with our faith. My brethren, this is, I'm reading from an NASB version. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. He's saying that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and personal favoritism, they are not incompatible. Yeah, they are incompatible. They does not match. 
Because God has created you and I in His image, in the image of God. Our external skin does not define us. It is who we are deep inside here. And you will say that the Lord is the Lord of everybody. And therefore, we need to treat everybody equally because the Lord Jesus Christ did the same thing. He treated everyone with dignity, whether they are rich or they are poor. Peter had to learn it in a hard way. Peter, being a Jew, he treats the non-Jews, the Gentiles, with a look that they are sinners. So, in the early church, in the book of Acts, when, Paul, when God revealed to uh, ask Peter to go to Cornelius, that is a Gentile uh, leader, to talk to him, his first reaction was, no, no way, no way. He already had a preconceived idea about the Gentile. No way I'm going until the Lord had to show the visions that everything the Lord created is clean. So Peter learned it the hard way. God loves everyone. If there's one place on earth that shouldn't be have any kind of discriminations, it should be the church. Because we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He has set the example and we are created in the image of God. Second thing, why favoritism is, is a problem? is because favoritism is illogical. Illogical. Verse 5. Listen to this. Listen, my dear brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the, of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who, he have promised those who love him. But you have insulted the poor. It's not the rich who are exploiting you. Are they not the ones that are dragging you into courts? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? So, James is trying to say it is illogical. Why? Because in the first place, God chose the poor. Why? He's saying this because majority of the people then were poor. So, James is telling you, you were poor and yet God chose you. James is not saying that it is good to be poor and bad to be rich. He's not, he's not talking about this. He's also not saying that only the poor will be saved. Because if you compare ourselves with the majority of the people in the world, we are considered very rich. We are considered very rich. So, James is not talking about this. James is addressing them, the people that the majority were poor. He said that when you were poor, the Lord selected you. And God selected you not based on the size of your wallet. Your value is, made, is not based on your valuables. Don't confuse your net worth with your self-worth. It's a big difference here. It is illogical. And on top of this, he said at that time, the rich were actually exploiting you. They don't care about you. It was the rich who throw the people into the lion's den then, who were persecuting the Christians. And now you treat the, the, the rich better. It is illogical. So James is saying, why, try, why worry about trying to impress them? We're certainly not worried about impressing you. They are doing the opposite. But if you think back to yourself, why sometimes we, we treat people who are affluent uh, better? Why? Why do we cater and get close to people who are so-called celebrities, people who have more lo the loaded? Maybe, I guess, we hope that they can do something for us because of their ability, because of their network. Maybe we are trying to get something from this. 
Or maybe because we feel very inferior to them and we want to show that we respect them because of their valuable. But we need to understand, Jesus, uh, James says, it is incompatible, it is illogical. God's grace does not base on what we own. And thirdly, favoritism is ill-fitting with love. Ill-fitting with love. It does not match up with love. Look at verse 8. If you really keep the law found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Favoritism does not fit with God's law of love. Does not fit with the love of God. Does not fit with God's command for us to love one another. And here it mentioned here as the royal law. Why is it called the royal law? First, it is befitting of the king of kings, that is our Lord himself, as we live in God's kingdom. Secondly, I think it's called the royal law because Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, all law is summed up with one sentence. Love your neighbor as yourself. If I play favorites, if I have preconceived people because based on my preconceived idea, then I'm unloving. And when I'm loving, it just does not match with what God wants us to do. And fourthly, the most serious part, favoritism, James says it is an iniquity. It is a sin. When we show people, when we favor certain people over certain people, it is a sin. James verse 1, chapter 2, actually, not chapter 1, chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumble on just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. How many laws do we have to break in order to be a lawbreaker? One. How many links do you have to break to break a chain? One. Have you been to a porcelain uh, shop and then you put down there. If you break it, you have bought it. They don't care how many pieces you break the porcelain. As long as it's broken, even just one chip off, you have to pay for it. So this is what Jane is trying to say. It is a serious sin. Maybe the Christian then was thinking that favoritism is such a small sin. It's okay. God can overlook this. But Jane is trying to say, that, no, if you break God's rule, you break all of them. Be careful, it is a serious business. And he go on to explain further in verse 11. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not, if you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a lawbreaker. What is he trying to say here? He's trying to illustrate a point about being unloving. Imagine someone comes to your house, if you are married, and he, he said to you this, I respect you a lot. And the way I'm going to prove that I love you is that I'm not going to commit adultery with your wife. However, if you take me off, I have the right to murder you. Are you going to thank me for that? It's very absurd, uh, Greg. That's what James is trying to say. Yeah, very absurd. And so sometimes we might treat sin pretty lightly. We say, oh, I don't, I don't drink, I don't curse, I don't smoke, I don't run around with girls or guys, I don't sleep around. Um, but why would God care if I'm just impartial with certain people? God say, no, it is the same. It is a sin. That's what James is trying to say here. 
So James talks about the principle we need to treat people right. He talks about the problem of not treating people like that, right. That is favoritism. And thirdly, he gives the prescription. The prescriptions to treat people rightly. How can we treat people right? Uh, in preparing for this, I read uh, a particular... Uh, yes, I read somewhere about an article where they make a survey about how churches in America grow. They survey 8,600 people. Congregations of about 39 different congregations. And then they measure their so-called love quotient. Love quotient. It reports that the one main factor that caused churches to grow more than any other factor, that is how loving they are towards each other and also towards visitors. That's all. That's just one main factor. And then they surveyed out of the 12 congregations or uh, denominations that score below 65. All of them, except two, were declining. In other words, because they don't show love to each other, they don't show love to the visitors, every one of them, except two, the church growth went down. The rest, all of them grow because they have shown great love. So it's very important here that we show love to each other in a real way and as well to visitors. And that's if you want to trust the Lord to grow our church, to grow this community. The key factor is the, how the way we treat one another. And today I want to share with you uh, three prescriptions from the book of James as well as from other parts of the Bible. What God wants us to take away. First of all, how do we do that? Administer God's mercy. Administer God's mercy. James chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law, who gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will not be shown to anyone who has been, merc who has been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Love treats people with mercy. Love gives people what they need, not what they deserve. I believe James might be thinking about the Lord's Sermon of the Mount, where he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy. This first point here is addressing people that you feel that you are superior morally. Okay? Morally. In other words, you look at people around, look at Vincent, okay, maybe he's holier than me, okay, I don't touch him. Then you look at another person, oh, this so-and-so, I think I'm holier than him or her in this small little aspect. And then you begin to judge this particular person. All of us have our own uh, inner moral scale, okay? Inner moral scale where we treat different people that we are better than them, they are better than us. So I encourage us for People that we feel they are so-called morally lower than you, James is encouraging you, administer God's mercy. Show the mercy of the Lord to them. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ has done on the cross for you when he died and sacrificed everything for your sake. And remember also, every time your sin, before you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, when you come to him, when you accept him into your life, 
Jesus Christ looked at you, he declared you as not guilty. And not just that, even as a Christian, as you grow in your faith, there are times where you will fall, there are times where we sin, and sometimes the same sin all over again. When we come before his throne of grace, he said what? Not guilty. As you ask him for the cleansing. And with that, let us not forget the mercy of the Lord that is extended to us. So that when we look at people whom we think they are, oh, this person, I attend church every week, I'm punctual, this guy is always late. Oh, I don't lie, this guy always lie. I don't talk at service, but this guy always talk at service. And then I don't sleep. I pay awake. I, 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 pay, awake. I pay attention. I stay awake. I write notes. But this guy, every time I come to church, I look at him. He is always snoring or, or he's somewhere in space. To these people, I encourage us to extend God's mercy. All of us don't deserve any of God's mercy. But God has given us his mercy. And I hope that we will remember that so that we don't judge people based on our standard of whether they are better than us or they are worse than us. So that's the first A here. Administer God's mercy. Second, I believe God wants us to take away is to accept people. This is to... The first group, the first action point is for people that you think are different from you morally. The second group, people, people that are morally not different they are just different okay they cannot be you they are just different and then James said accept them accept them don't be a spiritual snob sometimes people confuse between acceptance with approval there's a big difference between acceptance and approval you can accept somebody without approving his or her lifestyle she may be doing something totally contrary to your conviction of what the Bible says. But you can still accept the person and who she is without approving of the sin that she is involving in or the lifestyle or certain choices or certain value that the person is adopting. You can still extend the warm welcome. In Romans 15 verse 7, Paul said this, Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. The church is a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. If you are perfect, you don't belong here. You might spoil this place. All of us are sinners. And we come together from various backgrounds. It doesn't matter where you have been. It matters where you are now. And that the fact that you have known the Lord Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ is here with you. If you want to grow and more and more like him, that's when we have learned to accept people. Um, I'm, I'm, as I explained before in the past when I was talking about the prodigal son, that I can identify with myself with the older brother. Because sometimes I do, I, I do have certain high standards. And I have certain ideas about how people should behave, how people should dress, how people... And when people are different, I tend to judge them. And the way I treat them is different. And the Lord gently, constantly have to remind myself, we need to accept people. People come with different kind of baggages, different kind of behavior, different kind of background. I need to extend God's mercy. I need to accept people as who they are in their level of growth where God is dealing with them. 
And finally, how to become a church that really loves and treasures people is to affirm people. Affirm people. Give people a lift. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Encourage one another. Build one another out. One another, each other up. Don't criticize. Let's build one another. Let's affirm. Let us appreciate one another. Be an encourager, not a complainer, not a condemner, not a critical person, not a judger. But be an encourager, be a, appreciate, a person who appreciates people around. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone is also unique. We need to appreciate. Don't just focus on the negative. Don't just focus on negative. Yesterday, if you have read the paper, uh, there's an article, I like uh, yesterday's article, it said there, why are we Singaporeans so hard on ourselves? How many of you read that article? Okay. And recently I also read another survey. Very sad survey, the result. Very, very sad. The most emotionless country in the whole world. is <laughs> Singapore. 30. And then... Uh, I'm, I'm speaking this as a resident of Singapore, okay? No, I'm not speaking it as a uh, 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 judging Singaporeans, okay? I'm, I'm a resident. I belong. I stayed here. I, I spend more time here as a Singaporean. Uh, married to Singaporean as a resident. But it's sad because just above Earth, even countries, there are various countries, uh, the former Soviet unions, the, the Eastern, uh, Eastern Europe, and there are many, many countries right at the bottom emotionless, do not know how to be happy. Uh, and right at the top, which country, you know? Filled with emotions, filled with joy. Philippines. You know, economically, they are not very high up. Plagued with a lot of issues. And yet, this is a country filled with a lot of emotion, know how to be happy. And, and then this author I think he's a nominated, yes, nominated MP. He mentioned a few points here. I want to share with you. I believe we can learn some pointer here in applying to ourselves here. It's a lot of this pointer very uh, much in line with biblical principle. Few reasons why the country here, people like to focus on the negative. First, he say we are anxious. Because human nature is adverse to lostness, we tend to benchmark against success previously achieved. We tend to compare with the past, which is better, or compare with other people's successes. Secondly, he said we are a culture who tends to focus on the glass that is half empty rather than half full. And thirdly, mentions about the tendency of the leaders to focus on the people's deficiency and vulnerabilities. See, the cost of a pessimistic vision of ourselves is that there is a one-sided view often induced discouragement, a sense of despondency, and compromises community capacity building. What he's trying to say is that when you are too negative, only focus on the complaint, only focus on the negative, it somehow will make people very vulnerable, discouraged, and it will viral downward. Then he suggests something for a change. Let us affirm one another. Let us uh, appreciate and focus on the positive. 
And that's when you will build each other up. Look at the positive in one another. Last Friday, because of my holiday, we could not have a CG at our, at our place. And so uh, our new uh, CGL proposed an interesting idea. Let's have it outdoor. We have it. They have a CG. I wasn't there. I only hear stories. They have it at Vista. You know, Bona Vista, the Vista open air. And then uh, it was raining, you know, open air. So it's not, not. Then maybe the rain stopped. And then I heard towards the end, they got chased out. On, and then uh, everything I could think of uh, would be pretty negative. But then I think, let me just read to you. Somebody wrote this at night at 11 p.m., uh, 11.30, after the CG. Thanks, Josh, for choosing a special venue. It was quite refreshing, with the rain as well. Thanks, Joyce and Zuai, for a very meaningful time of discussions. I enjoyed tonight's CG a lot with all of you. If you look at the whole scenario, it is a, not a very uh, uh, ideal place, and everything seems to be pointed towards the negative. But yet, someone here saw the positive and highlighted the whole CG. That is appreciation. That's how we should treat one another. That's how we can fill this place with hope. And because we tend to focus on the negative. And I encourage us. There are many things to complain about at our church, at our friends, at our family, at our workplace, in our school. One thousand and one thing, if you want to choose to be negative, you can. Everything is half empty. But let's not forget it is also half full. That we choose to look, overlook, not to overlook, but with them, just look at the positive and focus on it and then you will see the other person blossom you'll see the other person blossom. And that's what I want to challenge us to do. And today, do you notice something different about the slide? Do you notice, by the way, the PowerPoint have changed for the last two months? Have you noticed that? Huh? In the past, it's just black, correct? I'm not talking about mine, I'm talking about worship. <laughs> it's just a black background with yellow words. That's all. Every slide is the same. Have you noticed the last two months, there are some graphics, some pictures, and today there is a, a very creative cross at the bottom. You see that? And then, when you come to offering time, you notice the offering slide is different. Huh? Offering slide is different. Let us give cheerfully. Can you, can you, can you look for the offering, offering slides there? Uh, Fang is the one who did it. Uh, <clears throat> now our team of uh, PowerPoint they take ownership, they make it beautiful. So that as we sing the song, the, the, the picture reflected. You see, God loves a cheerful... How many of you noticed this slide just now? Okay. You notice the difference? And then I'm going to highlight this. When you notice this difference, you find out who did this and then go and affirm the other person. Okay, I'm, not, I'm a guy, I'm not good at affirming uh, people's addressing. But once in a while, I'll try. If I notice something different about my wife, I'll say, hey, today, this looks nice on you. Sometimes she'll say, I bought this three years ago. Oh, oh. <laughs> I've been wearing this. Or the, oh, oh, sorry, I just noticed this today. But try. I believe if you, 
if you are observant, you can notice people around you, their behavior, their appearance, their attitude. There will always be something positive that you can affirm, that you can appreciate, that you can highlight. And then you verbalize it to the person. That is the way to counter favoritism. That's the way to counter. We treat people equally by being observant. Sometimes we just come here, we, 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 we are not observant at all. Do you notice that the, the ropes there, people, there are new ropes now, no longer. There are a lot of things, if you are observant, you notice things have changed. And you notice the change positively, and then you go and tell the person, by the way, thank you. Thank you for presenting this. Thank you for expressing this as an act of worship. Thank you for doing this because you care for the family, appreciate your mom, appreciate your dad. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for, uh, for doing this that make our lives. Thank you, the lecturers, for making the PowerPoint today better so that I can follow. Thank you for your bosses for giving, us, for giving you not just the extra month of bonus, but for thank you for, uh, for making the workplace a nicer place. Appreciation goes a long, long way. Let me show you another story. Um, our, our office, you know, our office is run very well by a very capable church manager. I'm sure you all know her, uh, Roslyn. And right now she has to handle both. She has two jobs. One is to handle the church manager, being a church manager. At the same time, she, she also oversees the CSC, our community service center. Both are full-time jobs, and yet she handles it one person, part-time here, part-time there, but she works very late at night. And usually, sometimes uh, she will work until 10, 11 o'clock, she'll go back. Yet, yet, despite her busy schedule, she will make effort once in a while. She will wake up at 5 a.m. to cook, and then bring the food, and then to give us a special lunch treat to office staff. Sometimes she will cook, give to CSC staff uh, treat. Sometimes, because now uh, at our CSC, we have Friday breakfast in the morning and we have uh, Monday lunch for the, the, the Malay communities, the halal food there. And because of her actions, of her love, how she willing to cook, people are volunteering. Now, Friday morning, some of the aunties there say, can I cook this? Can I cook that? Even... Our cleaner at CSE, um, Jacob, he wakes up at 4 a.m. He cooked chicken curry for that, for the event. And then he know one friend, and this guy, out of nowhere, also very generous. He find the best nasi biryani, and then recently he bought 100 packets. One packet cost around $9. He bought 900 packets, and he treat office staff, that stuff, not just once. Second time, he bought another nasi biryani, another different style, slightly cheaper, but equally good. He bought, uh, let me see, he bought, again, 100 packets. 50 packets for CSC uh, lunch. Then another 25 packets for the mosque. 25 packets for the Indian temple. He bought it free, generously. Why? I believe appreciations. Good works begets good works. People, it spreads. People are appreciative. And the environment is different. So if you want to make your home, 
your workplace, your school, our church, a place where people feel welcome, a place that people will not feel judged. I encourage us. We need to administer God's mercy. Don't treat them with judgmental spirit. Let us learn also to so-called accept people as who they are and then to affirm them. Affirm them. Affirm them. And I believe if we do that, people will feel welcome, people will feel loved. The office environment, the home environment, your, 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 your school environment, the environment can change. One person can make a big change by your attitude, by your attitude of love. Beside prayer, I believe love can change the whole atmosphere. And I want to pray that this will be the atmosphere where you will feel home as we come every Sunday. Not just every Sunday, but when you go to your cell group or when you come your weekdays, let this be a place of love. Shall we just rise? I invite the musicians to come forward. You sing power of your love. Let's just spend some time to come before the Lord. I'm going to give you some time of prayer first, of responding to God. And then, we're going to ask the Lord to change us. Let the power of God's love change us. First of all, if your heart is filled with a lot of prejudices towards a certain group of people, or you are just very judgmental, but I'm, that I am struggling with Let's come before the throne of grace and, and ask God for forgiveness and receive the mercy of God and say, God, forgive me. May your mercy fall upon me. Take some time right now to deal with the area you have treated lightly. James said it is a sin. Therefore, we need to repent. But when we come before the throne of God's, God's grace, His mercy will flow. Let's take some time right now just to focus on this aspect first. Claim the forgiveness of the Lord. Claim the mercy of the Lord that extends to all. As we come before Him with our judgmental spirit. Next, I'd like us to pray. Pray for yourself. That instead of having that judgmental spirit the favoritism spirit God will fill you with a spirit of love 
that you'll go around and show God's mercy to people and minister God's mercy. You'll go around ex- ex- extending God's acceptance to them. You'll go around appreciating and affirming people. Let us all pray together loud where you are. pray, pray for our church that this church will be a community of love not a church of the judgmental but a church that really appreciate people affirm people, accept people a church where they, they can begin to minister God's mercy God's mercy, that people will feel all kinds of people will feel accepted in the presence here, let's just intercede for our church here love one another, people that we know. Learn to also love the visitors, to welcome them. Let's end by this song and let this song be a prayer to the Lord.